Good evening. My name is Pastor Bernie Blaukamp, and I lead the Wednesday night ministry team. We're coming to you tonight online because for the month of December, we're going to be doing all of our services online. Come January, when we start the Pray First initiative, we'll be in person and online. But for the month of December, we're right here every week. So we just thank you for joining us tonight. The vision for Wednesday night is to provide an atmosphere where those that are attending, whether online or in person, can experience the presence of God. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And in his presence is life everlasting. So we just, our desire, our heart's desires for you today to experience his presence right where you are. Today we're going to be sharing on the subject of physical healing. Now, Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all of your diseases. Early on in my life, I had an incurable disease, and they, they told me there was nothing that medical science could do for me. This was back in 1985. But Pastor Duane told me that this scripture, Psalm 103, applied to me. And he explained to me that healing was in the atonement, that the atoning work of Christ, that just as Christ had paid the price for my sin, he'd also paid the price for my healing. And I grabbed a hold of that, and I studied, and I, and I went through the scriptures, and Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. And I just started to grab a hold of the word and I studied the word and I outlined every scripture that had to do with health and healing and as I continued to put the word and put the word in then then I became fully persuaded that that was true that Jesus had paid the price not only for my sin but also for my healing and my health and I went forward on a, on a service. It was Good Friday, 1985. And on that day, hands were laid on me and they anointed me with oil. And I didn't experience a miraculous healing immediately. In fact, I went back to my seat feeling just as, as bad as when I came there. I had a very high fever. I had, I had uh, headaches, severe headaches. I couldn't hardly open my eyes because I had such a bad migraine. But I went back to my seat and I said, I've done what the word said. I had hands laid on me and I, they anointed me with oil and I'm healed. So I was like that, the woman who pressed through the crowd and said, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, then I'd be well. And that happened to me. As I left that day and as I, as I went forward and I said, no, I'm well. And I actually told my sister who was driving me at the time, let's go to a restaurant and she said, you can't go to a restaurant, you're sick. And I said, no, let's go to a restaurant. We went there, and as I bowed my head to pray over the food, I experienced the, the, the presence and the healing power of Jesus, and it completely healed me that day. And here I stand 35 years later, well, and that healing is still taking place. What happened is that God gave me a brand new colon that day in that restaurant. Now really, he gave me a brand new colon 2,000 years ago when he was whipped at the, at the whipping post, because that's when it was purchased. But I received it that day in that restaurant because I had acted on the word of God. See, the word of God is alive. It's not just 
just a story. It's not just the logos. It's alive. It's the rhema word of God. And it's true today. There's three things that you, we need to know as believers um, to go forward and to walk really in divine health and divine healing. And the first one is that God is not the source of my problem. God's not doing this to me. You need to realize, we need to realize that when we have issues, when we have challenges in our lives, that God is not the source of our problem. He's not the one that's doing this to us. God doesn't have any cancer to give. God doesn't have any coronavirus to give. He doesn't have any of that stuff. That's not from him. That is from Satan and from the, the fallen nature of this world. See, Every good and perfect gift, it says in James chapter one, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, from the heaven, from heaven, in, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift. And disease is not good nor perfect. It does not come from God. And it also says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And Whatever kills, steals, and destroys, it's not from Jesus, it's not from God, it's from the enemy, because that's the thief. He's the one that came to steal your health, to kill your body, and destroy your well-being. So we thank you, Father, that you are not the source of the issues that are going on. You're not the source of coronavirus. You're not the source of any cancer or any disease in our lives. We thank you, Father, that you're not the source, but you're the answer. So first of all, God is not the source. And the second point that is very, very important, it's not God's will for you to be sick. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Many times people think, well, God didn't do it, but he allowed it. I've heard that many times in, in ministry because being in ministry for 30 years, I've, I've heard that many, many times. That, okay, so God didn't do it, but he allowed it. And therefore, and many times people are angry at God because of something that happened in their life or the life of a loved one. I totally understand that. I had a brother that died of hepatitis had another brother that died in Vietnam in the war, and then my own father passed away from cancer. I understand being frustrated and losing loved ones. I've been through it. However, God is not to blame for the situation that you're in. God is not making anyone sick, and it's not God's will for you to be sick. If you wanna know what God's will is, we need to look at Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do the things I see my Father do, and I only say the things I hear my Father say. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus said, I am the exact representation of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you wonder what God the Father is life like. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of his Father, Father God, Jehovah. And one of God's names is even Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. So if we look at the life of Jesus, we can see that Jesus never made anyone sick. He never did. He was not the source of anyone's problems. So if we look at Jesus, we can see that every person that came to Jesus, Jesus gave them what they were seeking if they believed in him. 
Many, there's 25 individuals that were healed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Besides the multitudes, there's 17 examples of multiple people that were healed at the same time. But there's 25 examples of individuals that were healed when they came in contact with Jesus. And as you look at those 25 individuals, 19 of those 25 individuals, Jesus said to them, if you can believe, all things are possible, or be it unto you as you have believed. He referenced their belief with the end result of their healing. He referenced something that they were grabbing hold of in the middle of he was healing them, but he also said, be it unto you as you have believed. So it's not God's will for you to be sick because all we have to do is look at Jesus and he is the exact representation of God's will. Jesus healed every person that came to him. There's, there's many examples, as I said, 17 different examples where it says the multitudes came and they brought the sick, the lame, the halt, those with the palsy, the dumb, the, the, the mute, and they brought them all to Jesus and it says he healed them all. Last time I checked, all means everyone. He didn't turn anyone away. He didn't, do, he didn't go through a process of going duck, duck, goose. Those that came to him in faith, those that came to him believing he could, he healed them. One in particular, he said, do you believe I can do this? And the person answered, yes, I believe. He said, be it unto you as you have believed. So it definitely represents that Jesus, Scripture shows us that Jesus' will is the Father's will, and Jesus' will was to heal. Now, you can, the third thing that we need to understand that we all can learn here from Scripture is that you can do something about it. You are not a victim. You don't have to just take whatever um, comes your way and be a victim and, and, and float down the river um, like a log, you can actually swim upstream. You can do something about your situation. See, God wants you to be healthy. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. See, sickness is part of the curse and Jesus, Jesus bore the curse for us. Galatians 3.13 says that he, was, he has borne the curse of the law that Jesus bore the curse on the tree that, that we wouldn't have to suffer under the curse of the law, Galatians 3.13 says. So you can do something about your situation. You have authority over your situation. Luke 10.19 says very clearly that all authority has been given unto us because Jesus had that authority and he gave that authority to us. Revelation 12, 11 says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Mark 16, 17 says these signs shall follow those that believe. That says that they'll speak in new tongues, they'll cast out demons, they'll drink any deadly thing, they'll tread on serpents, and they'll lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. The Bible says that you as a believer in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, you can lay hands on the sick 
and they recover. I think everybody right where you are watching right now, I want you to just kind of look at your hands right in your living room or your car or wherever you are. I want you to look at your hands and I want you to say it with me. Wow. These are believers' hands. I'm a believer and these are my hands. That makes these believers' hands. And I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's what scripture says. We're merely taking God as his word. You can even lay your hands on yourself. So if you have a sickness in one part of your body, you can just look at your hands and goes, wow, God's power flows through my hands because he said, those that believe in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they recover. So if you've got something going on in your life, you can lay your hands. If you've got a sore elbow, you need to lay your hand on that elbow and say, Father, I thank you that your healing power is flowing through this hand, because these are believers' hands, and by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. And I thank you for it, Father. I believe I receive it now in Jesus' name. It's that simple. You say, well, that seems really elementary and very simple. Exactly. The scripture is very simple. It says you have to become like a child to receive the things of the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said. So we can, we can choose to not be a victim today. And I would just encourage you. I understand being sick. I had coronavirus back in September. I understand. I was down for the count. I was flat on my back for about 14 days. I was not in good shape. I was not doing good. Uh, oxygen levels were low, all that stuff. I was coughing terrible. But you know what? We kept standing on the word. We kept standing on the word. And we got through it. See, we don't have to be a victim. We don't have to just take whatever comes our way and say, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We can fight back. And I encourage you, fight back with the word of God. And see, faith begins where the will of God is known. So it's really important that you know, that we all know that it's not God making us sick. Because if it was God making us sick, we wouldn't even be able to resist because he would just, it would just be, that's the way it is. God's making me sick. It's what I have to accept. It's God. But God is not the one making you sick. That is the enemy making, trying to make you sick. Jesus paid the price for you to be well. So number one, God's not making you sick. Number two, it's not God's will for you to be ill and be in that situation. And see, if, if we know it's God's will for us to be healthy, 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you be in health uh, even as your soul prospers. See, faith begins where the will of God is known. You can know the will of God. Healing, health, and a life that honors God and, and expands his kingdom is God's will for your life. So as we look at our situations, I understand somebody might be there right now and, and maybe you've lost a loved one or maybe the, the situation is, is dire even in your own life, I would say to you, you, you can do this through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He raised from the dead. He doesn't, he's not just a distant entity. He is a personal savior who loves you right where you are and he wants to touch you and, and make your life fulfilled right where you are right now. So we've got to focus on God, not on the situation. 
<clears throat> Many times we get so focused on the situation that we can't seem to see the forest for the trees. I'll give you the example. Peter, when Jesus called to Peter, when Jesus was walking on the water, Peter said, if it's you, bid me come. And it was Jesus, so he bid Peter come. So Peter stepped out of the boat and he started walking on water. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I've never walked on water. I've skied on water, wakeboarded on water, but I've never walked on water without the assistance of a boat or something. So Peter walked on the water. That's miraculous. He suspended the laws of nature. But when Peter took his eyes off from Jesus and looked at the wind and the waves and all that's going around, he looked at the things around him and he sank. And then he cried out, put his eyes back on Jesus and cried out to Jesus and Jesus saved him and walked him back to the boat and they were safe. The, the principle is true for all of us. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can do and walk in miraculous things. But if we just look around and, 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 and listen to all the news and look at all the situations and consider everything else, we will begin to sink just like Peter sank. So I would encourage you, keep your eyes firmly focused on Jesus because he's the author and the completer or finisher of your faith. As you look at your life, and as you consider the things around you, bear in mind Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The flip side of that is doubt and unbelief comes by hearing and hearing by the circumstances around you. So keep your focus on the promise. Keep your eyes on the prize. Don't be looking around. Don't be considering all these different things. Rather, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on God, not on your situation. Romans chapter 4, verse 19, it says that <clears throat> Abraham considered not his own body dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but can, he considered him who promised to be faithful. He didn't consider the fact that he was past the age of childbearing and his, or his wife was past the age of childbearing and he was past the age of being able to father a child. He didn't consider that. He considered God who promised to be faithful. Understand the source of doubt. Like I said, doubt comes by looking around. Unbelief comes by listening to all the different situations. One of the sources of doubt is misinterpreted scripture or tradition. As, as, you, look at, <clears throat> as you look at scripture, there's many misinterpreted scripture. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men according to the basic principles of this world and not of Christ. See, the traditions that are out there will make the word of God of no effect. That's what Jesus said. Your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. I would say, look at the word of God, accept the word of God for what it says, regardless of what somebody might have told you or whatever tradition that you might have experienced. 
Some of the traditions and some of the, I believe, are misinterpreted scriptures would be uh, a classic, and that is the, the position that the age of miracles is over. There was never an age of miracles. There's only a God of miracles, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is the same. Jesus Christ is the same. If he healed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he heals today because he's the same. There's no, there's no passing away of that. Then there's also misinterpreted uh, explanations related to Job. Well, I would say if you're gonna be Job, go through the storm and come out the other side with twice as much as you had when you started. And even the book of James says, consider the end of Job. So I would say, yeah, go ahead. If you want to be Job, be Job. But if you're going to be Job, you got to be twice as blessed at the end as you were at the beginning, because that's what happened to Job. Look at the end of the book of Job, and you can see that in the end, he was twice as blessed. He got his children, he got other children. Yeah, he lost those children, but he got children. He got twice as much of everything else when he was done. Paul's thorn, another source. Uh, you, you see people that, I've run into people that are <clears throat> maybe even on the street, no place to live, and, and they say they got Paul's thorn. And I'm sorry, but if you look at what Paul's thorn was, it says because of the abundance of his revelation, there was a messenger sent from Satan to buffet him. It, it, a messenger is another word for angel, an angel of Satan would be a demon. And it says that because of the abundance of his revelation, newsflash, if you haven't written two-thirds or so between a half and two-thirds of the New Testament, like Paul did, chances are you don't have Paul's thorn. So get over that. You don't have that much revelation. You aren't that important to Satan. He hasn't assigned a specific demon to buffet you. You're just having normal trouble in your life. And many times it's because of our own, our own decisions that we have most of the trouble in our life. I know from my own life, most of the trouble I have in my life was self-inflicted. Let's just face it. Most of us are like that. Most of the trouble that's in our lives has been self-inflicted or it's been because of words that we said or actions that we take, we've taken. So let's not get, get off on Job or Paul's thorn. Let's not go there. Other people have the position, they say, well, this is my cross to bear. Your cross to bear is to do God's will for your life. The cross is not a sickness. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. He didn't ask you to pick up a sickness. Your cross to bear is not a sickness. Your cross to bear is to do the will of God in your life. Some people think, well, because the sickness that I have or the sickness that my relative had, that um, they got saved, so therefore it was from God. I would just tell you this. Don't confuse outcome with origination. Don't get confused and say, just because something turned out well, it was God. Because, you know, Romans 8, 28 says that God can work all things together for your good because we love him and are called according to his purpose. So don't, don't get off on that ditch that says, oh, because something good came out of it, it was God. Because God can turn anything 
around for your good. Every attack that Satan has on your life, God can turn it around for your good if you will allow him to. If you will continue to keep your eyes on Jesus, God can turn any situation around. I would say look at sickness for what it is. It's an attack from Satan, from hell itself, that's come to kill you. That's what sickness is. Sickness is an attack from the enemy of your soul, Satan, and it's come there to kill you with the express purpose to kill you. That's why sickness comes. Now, Jesus can turn it around. Jesus can heal it. God can make all things work together for your good. But if you don't understand the origin, you'll get confused and you won't resist it with enough fervor. You need to resist steadfast in the faith. You need to look at that sickness and say, get out of my body. You have no right to be in my body. I take authority over you. Corona, I curse you. Cancer, I curse you. You have to start cursing that sickness because you know what? It's from hell. It's not from God and you need to attack it very aggressively. First experience, 2.14 is not a scripture. I understand. Doubt comes from, well, you know, my, someone might say, my grandfather died of cancer, my father died of cancer, and therefore I'll probably get cancer. I would say to you, stop talking like that. You are opening the door for the enemy to come and bring something awful in your life. You don't have to just repeat what prior generations have done. Someone else's experience does not have to determine what you receive from God. Someone else's negative experience doesn't have to be put on you. Even if it was a close relative, it doesn't have to happen that way for you. Because you are a, pe a, a, a peculiar people. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, called to bring forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, he's called you to be different. He's called you to, to walk in health. He's called you to usher in his presence so that people can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Let his word ring forth in your life. Let his word right now be the final authority in your life. Not your experience, not your parents, not your uncle, <clears throat> not what you grew up with. Let God's word be the source of everything in your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And those that are, as you're watching, if you have a question, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray with you and we will be, we will be responding. We're, we have people that are online right now waiting to hear from you. Give us your prayer requests. We'll join our faith with yours and we'll pray with you in whatever it is that you need from God tonight. We love you and our desire is as we continue, as we continue online for the month of December, our desire is to, to get to know you and for, to have interaction with you wherever you are. And our heart's desire is that you receive what you need from God. So I'm just gonna pray a prayer of faith over all of us right now. And I want you just to, right where you are, bow your head, and I want you to just join your faith with ours right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're not limited by space or geography, but Father, that you are omnipresent. You're right there wherever anyone is listening and watching right now, that your presence is there right now. 
Father, we thank you that you're not limited because you are omniscient. You know every person's need. You know them intimately better than they know themselves. And Father, that you are omnipotent, that you're all-powerful, that you have everything that we need in our lives, that you have it, it's available to us, and you freely give us all things according to your promises, that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So we thank you for it, Father. We thank you that right now we stand in agreement with those that are under the influence or under the effects of coronavirus, we curse that coronavirus, we curse COVID in the name of Jesus. We command that virus to die. We command that virus to shrivel up and to leave their bodies, that every person's immune system would be strong, attack and eliminate that virus from their body, the effects of that. We command lungs to be clear. We command uh, their bodies to be healed in the name of Jesus. Energy, in their systems right now, in Jesus' name. We come against that overtiredness and, Father, restoration of of taste and smell and any rashes to be just eliminated from their bodies right now. For those that are struggling with cancer right now, we curse cancer. We curse every cell that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We curse every cell that's in rebellion. Cancer, we curse you and we command you to die, shrivel up, and leave this person's body now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that by Jesus' stripes we were healed. We thank you that as Jesus cursed that fig tree, we curse these cells, and they must obey because it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. We thank you, Father, for health springing forth speedily, that health springs forth speedily in every person's body under the sound of my voice. We thank you, Father, for your presence, that you would touch them, that they would sense your awesome, loving presence right now, right where they are. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you that you're with us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.